0: Please turn with me. Uh, we're going to look at Galatians. I meant to do this last week, but we're actually we're going to read Galatians five twenty two through 23, the fruit of the spirit. And then our text this morning that we'll be working from is Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 24. It'll be on the screen behind me, but it's not printed in your bulletin. So you can grab a pew Bible or look on your device or uh, look on with the person next to you. Uh, this is God's word. Galatians five twenty two through 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And now Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 24. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. Do not find joy in this, is what he's saying, that the spirits are subject to you. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my father, and no one knows who the son is except the father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. This is God's holy and inerrant word. Let me pray and ask God to come through his spirit and To help us this morning with this passage. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father. Your word is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Your word is. Sweet like honey you tell us in the Psalms. And we really need it this morning. As has been prayed. We come from lots of different places, particularly on a morning like this. Uh, Some of us come this morning in very hard places. Some of us are in very good places. We're full of joy and full of life. Wherever we are this morning, meet us with your word. Give us a word. Encourage us. Recalibrate our hearts this morning with the good news of the gospel of Jesus. Would you do these things this morning? In Christ's name, amen. Our lives as Christians are to be marked by joy. Uh, that's the fruit of the Spirit. Our lives as Christians, if the Spirit dwells in us, uh, one of the fruits that are to come out of us is the fruit of joy. This isn't something new. It's all over the Bible. We see it everywhere. And we could spend the from now until this evening looking up references that have to do with joy or rejoicing or blessings. One of the most popular ones, you know, is Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. We see it all over the Psalms. Psalm 98. Make a joyful noise all the earth. Sing praises. And again, we could list a hundred more. We are called to live a life that is marked by joy. It's something That you were made for, in a sense, as a human being created in the image of God. You were made for joy. We long for it. We desire it. There's not a person in here this morning that wouldn't say, "Uh, I want to be known as a joyful person. Or I want uh, to be marked by a life of joy. It touches on the deepest desires of our hearts. But what is the problem with that? Well, oftentimes, if you're like me, joy often seems just out of reach. True lasting joy seems to slip through our fingertips. And we look at things in this world and we think that's going to give me joy and it does. But only for a moment and we find ourselves on the search for joy once again. I've heard this quote attributed to a few different people over the years. So I don't know who originally said it but it's a good quote. I'm going to quote it from Jack Higgins who is a successful writer and author he wrote, the eagle has landed, and when he was older, he asked, he, uh, someone asked him, what do you wish someone would have told you when you were a young boy or when you were a, a teenager? And he says this, I wish someone would have told me that when you get to the top, there's nothing there. That's often the way we think about joy. We look at something and we think, this is the thing that's going to make me happy. This is the thing that's going to bring me joy. But it never brings us as much joy as we think it will. And the joy that it does bring us never lasts for as long as we had hoped. And so the question this morning that we want to look at is simply this. How do we get lasting joy? How do we get lasting joy in our lives if it's something we all desire and we all want and we can't seem to grasp it? How do we get lasting joy that will go the distance? Three things this morning. Lasting joy comes when we we got to first recognize the barriers to lasting joy. We got to look at the barrier and recognize it. Secondly, we've got to connect to the source of joy. And thirdly, we're going to learn, how do we learn to cultivate joy? You've got to learn to cultivate it in your life. And so those three things this morning, number one, recognize the barrier to joy. True joy has very little to do with how you feel. You see, that's the counterfeit. We talked about the counterfeit of love last week. Well, the counterfeit here is we think that joy has to do with being happy. And there is some overlap there, but we think uh, that joy is someone who's smiling all the time or laughing all the time or who's excited or has a really outgoing, bubbly personality. But true joy is different than happiness. Again, there's some overlap there, but they're different because unlike happiness, joy is never tied to your circumstances. True, lasting, real joy is never tied to your circumstances. And that's a problem because we look for joy in our circumstances. And that's the reason why our joy is here one day and gone tomorrow. Because we're looking for joy down here in things on, on earth. Or looking for things uh, in jo- joy in things uh, horizontally instead of vertically. We think, if I could just get this... Or if I could just get a hold of that, then I would have lasting joy. If I could just be recognized at work for all the hard work that I've put in with the company. That would do it for me. Or if I could just get that promotion that I think I deserve. Or I could just, if I could just afford to get that house and to live in that neighborhood. Or I have that possession. Or if my kids would just behave. Or if my spouse would do better and be better. Or relationally, we think all my friends are dating someone and I'm not and I'm miserable. And so if I could just date someone and be in a dating relationship, I would finally be happy and have lasting joy. Or if you're single, if I could just get married and the list goes on and on and on. And we think those are the things that are going to bring lasting joy in our lives. And if we look to things down here, and all the things I mentioned, and we could have mentioned many more, if you look to those for your joy, it's a setup. It's a setup, and we've got to recognize that. If you look down here and the things I mentioned for lasting joy, it will lead to bitterness and cynicism and anger. Why? Because circumstances are fragile circumstances are unstable, they're always shifting, they're always moving and changing, they rise and fall, those things get threatened or get taken away from you. That's why if you are looking to circumstances for your joy and happiness, chances are you're a very moody person. Very moody person, because your circumstances are always changing. The greatest showman, it's out on DVD, that's my rule. If it's out on DVD, I can use it as an illustration. So if you haven't seen the movie, I'm sorry. So you'll know next time, right? But uh, if you haven't seen it, it's a musical drama inspired by the story of P.T. Barnum, the creator of the Barnum and Bailey Circus. And as the movie unfolds, we see Barnum, his ambition starts to grow. His desire for power Starts to grow and he becomes very discontent. And he starts out with these values of love and loyalty and respect and honor and devotion. And he trades them in for power and wealth and public recognition. He starts to think. That's where joy is. If I just had that. Then I would have lasting joy and I would have everything I need and I would be rich and I would be happy. And he finally gets it. And he loses everything. He loses everything and he becomes arrogant and he becomes mean and he becomes distant and he becomes disrespectful. And later in the movie, because it's a musical, he sings about looking back at everything he has lost and he sings about it in a song from now on. And listen to what he says I, I won't sing it. <laughs> I drink champagne with kings and queens. The politicians praised my name, but those were someone else's dreams. The pitfalls of the man I became. For years and years, I chased their cheers. And then here it is. I love this line. The crazy speed of always needing more. The crazy speed of always needing more. You see, Barnum thought that real joy was found, if I can just be famous, if I can just make it big... That will do it. And he did. And it turned him into a completely different person, a shell of the man that he was before. And so that brings a question. What is the thing right now in your life that you think, if I could just have this, it would do it. It it, it would give me the joy that I'm chasing and looking for. What is that thing in your life? If I could just have this, it would fix me. And it would solve all of my problems. Friends, did you know that sometimes the greatest gift that God can give you is to not give you what you want? To not give you what your heart desires? Some of us this morning, you hear that. And you say, Jason, okay, I get it. Okay, I, I know I do this. I, I, for, I need to forsake these things in the world. That All the things that you just mentioned. Yeah, don't, no, I don't need to do that. I need to forsake those. And I need to find my joy in spiritual things. And so in a sense, we shame ourselves into joy. You ever do this? Oh, I don't need to find joy in those things. Those are worldly things. I'm a terrible Christian and I want to be a good Christian and so i got to find my joy in good spiritual things because that's what good Christians do. Well, don't do that either. Why? Well, because do you see it? Because what you're doing is you're essentially still looking for joy in your circumstances. Except this time you've just put religious language on it and covered it with this moral overcoat, so to speak. And it looks good, and it feels good, and it feels right, but it's essentially the exact same thing. That's what we see the disciples doing. Look at verses 17 through 20 in our passage. Jesus sends them out earlier in the chapter on a short-term missions trip. 72 disciples. Verse 17, they return from that missions trip. The 72 returned with joy, saying, even the demons are subject to Your name. To us in your name. Where were they looking for joy? In their spiritual religious performance. Fill in everything we've learned about in our study of the book of Galatians. Look at what we did in your name. We found joy in our performance. And I love verse 18. (laughs) You ever been in a circle and someone plays the ultimate trump card or has to one up you? Well, Jesus went up the disciples here. It's kind of funny. He says, oh, you did that? Well, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And then he goes on, behold, I've given you authority over these things, these uh, spiritual forces. Nevertheless, keep following with me. Do not find joy. Do not rejoice that the spirits are subject to you. Don't do that. But rejoice or find joy where? That your names are written in heaven. See what Jesus is doing. True joy is not found in worldly circumstances. But it's also not found in spiritual things that you do for God. That's not where your joy is found. It's not in what you do for God. But joy is found in what God has done for you. Joy is found in the fact that you are known and loved by God. And that your names are written in heaven. And at first glance you hear this and you're thinking, Jesus is a Debbie Downer. (laughs) I mean, come on, give these guys one in the win column here, Jesus. Jesus is not being a Debbie Downer. He knows that even if we try to place our confidence in good things, like what we do for God in our spiritual performance, that even that is fleeting and unstable. You know this why because well sometimes you're doing really good spiritually but other times sin rears its rug, ugly head and you're not doing so good spiritually and you're really struggling and so if you look for joy in your spiritual in spiritual things and in your performance your joy will be as fragile as your commitment and as fleeting and consistent as your commitment and your love for God and how good you're doing And how well you're following all the disciplines of the Christian life. Jesus is not trying to discourage them. He's simply saying there's something way more solid. Than worldly circumstances and even spiritual things and spiritual circumstances. There's something way better to put your hope and your joy and your security in. Put it in me. Rejoice in the fact that your names are written in heaven. That's unshakable. That leads to the second point. Connect. We gotta, we're going to have lasting joy. Joy that will go the distance. We've got to recognize the, the barriers to true joy. And then set, which is circumstances. Secondly, we've got to connect to the source of joy. Look at verse 23. Blessed are the eyes. Blessed meaning joy or happy are the eyes that see what you see. And he goes on and says, you're seeing what the prophets long to see. You're hearing what the prophets long to hear. He says those things. And what do they see that should and would give them joy? It's not a trick question. Jesus. Blessed are the eyes. Happy are the eyes. Joy are the eyes that see what you see. They're seeing the one to whom the powers of evil are subject to his name. And they're seeing the one God in the flesh who knows them and loves them and who has written their names in heaven, as we said in verse 18. Remember last week we said that if we're ever going to be loving people, we've got to connect to the source of love, which is a person, which is Jesus himself. Same thing here, if you're ever going to be a joyful person, have true lasting joy, you've got to be connected to the source of joy, which is Jesus. You must be in a relationship with Jesus, you've got to be connected with him, and let me stop right here, because I know this sounds really obvious, but here's the first question, do you want lasting joy? Do you want to be a loving person, as we said last week? Do you know Jesus? Jesus. Have you ever repented of your sins and put your trust in Jesus along for your salvation? Do you know him? Or are you, are you known by him? And if you have no idea what I'm talking about or you're not sure, I would love to talk to you about it. Any of our elders, any of our staff or pastors would love to talk to you about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. Because if you want to be a joyful person, it starts there. Because Jesus is the source of all joy. And it's what we've been saying every week. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not your fruit. John 15, Jesus says, if you have a red letter Bible, they're all red letters. Jesus says, abide in me. And I and you, and you not might, might may, someday, and you will bear much fruit. Lasting joy is not found in circumstances or in an emotional state because those things are constantly changing. Joy is found, it's anchored, it's tied to Jesus, the one sure thing in the world that is unshakable and untouchable and then never changes. Think about, oh Christ, my Christ is mine forevermore. We just sing that. Listen to this. Come joyce, come, rejoice now, O oh my soul, for his love. His love for you is your reward. That's the reward. Fear is gone and hope is sure. Christ is mine forevermore. You see, that's the source of true joy. And that's why when you look at joy in the Bible... It's always connected to the Lord. Think about the references. Rejoice not in yourself. Rejoice in the Lord, the Lord, always. And then we see in the Psalms things like shout for joy to the Lord. You see, because as long as you have Jesus, no one can take away your joy. Because Christ is mine forevermore. And not only can anyone take you, uh, you from him, no one can take him from you. you cannot be taken out of the palm of his hands. you see that's good news that's the gospel and just like we said last week uh, joy has very li- about love joy has very little to do with your feelings that's the, that's the counterfeit We think that joy is connected to our feelings. So if we are happy, then we are joyful. And I said earlier, it has very little to do with happiness. But let's do the reverse. It also has very little to do with sadness. You see, there's a misconception in the Christian subculture that says, I am sad, therefore I don't have joy. This is really important. Friends... Joy in this life, go watch Inside Out, the Pixar movie. Okay, I can't go into all that now, but joy and sadness, they always go together. In this life, you will always have joy and you will always have sorrow side by side with one another because we live in a broken, fallen world. Sorrow cleans out room. For deeper joy in your life. Sorrow cleans out room for deeper joy in your life. And we see it everywhere in the Bible. You see joy and sorrow and sadness. All the Psalms practically. John chapter 16. Jesus is departing. uh, And it's his farewell discourse. And listen to what he says. same, Same verse. Truly, truly I say to you. You will weep. And you will lament. You will be sorrowful. But... Joy, but also your heart will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. Sermon on the Mount. Blessed or happy or joyful are the poor in spirit, right there next to one another. Blessed or happy or joyful are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are persecuted. We can keep going, I will. James 1. Consider it pure joy, my friends, whenever you face trials or sufferings of many kinds. What's the letter of joy that the Apostle Paul wrote? Philippians? Where did he write that letter from? He was imprisoned. In the book of Acts, he's in prison and he and Silas... Joy comes out of them and they start singing hymns of joy. Here's the point. And so joy doesn't mean an absence of sadness. It cannot mean that. And I don't know about you this morning, but I find that incredibly freeing to the way we normally think about joy. Because here's what it means. You don't have to fake it anymore. You don't have to fake being sad anymore. This is a great pushback, I think, for the ways, again, in our Christian subculture that we think about the joyful Christian. We think about the joyful Christian as this bright disposition. If you have a bright disposition and you're smiling all the time and you're upbeat and you're fun-loving and you're optimistic, then you're joyful. And so that means that even uh, there's pressure, that even when we're sad we got to put on the smile, the forced smile. We've got to walk into church and we've got to quote Bible verses that everything works together for, for the good, for those who love him. And yes, that is true. But it's okay to be sad. You don't have to show up on Sunday with a strained cheerfulness or trying to force joy. You don't have to fake it because sorrow cleans out room in your heart for deeper joy. That's why some of the most joyful, delightful people in this room this morning are those who have suffered the most. Those who have experienced the most sadness are often the most delightful and joyful people that you will ever encounter. Why? Because joy has nothing to do with feeling happy and feeling sad. Joy has something to do with the source of joy, with, with Jesus. And so if you believe in God, and joy comes from believing that God is in control of all things and that God is good regardless of our current circumstances. And that's a whole nother sermon. I know that's a lot, but that's where joy comes from. Leaning into Jesus and trusting in his goodness and in his control no matter what your circumstances are might be lastly we've got to learn to cultivate joy so how do we learn to cultivate joy four practical applications for cultivating joy in your life here's the first one you've got to learn to dream you've got to be a dreamer if you're going to be a joyful person what do you got to learn to dream about your future glory there is a day coming the bible says when all things will be made new, when Jesus will come back and make all things new, new and joy will reign forever and ever and ever. Right now, again, joy and sorrow side by side. That's why one week you're celebrating the birth of your child and the next month you're burying a loved one. That's life in a broken world. Joy and sorrow side by side. But God promises That one day there will be no more sorrow and no more tears and only joy. And it's not a grit your teeth and just hold on until we make it. That's what's going to get me through. No, the Bible says that hope, basically uh, you throw your hope into eternity and you place it there and you secure it there and you pull that joy of the future into your present whatever it is that you're dealing that's why, dealing with that's why second corinthians paul says this fix your eyes you want joy fix your eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen because what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal that's where we got to learn to pull that joy from the future into the present secondly we need to practice gratitude One of the ways you cultivate joy in your life is by saying thank you. Simply saying thank you. We see it all over the Bible. Joy and gratitude go together. Notice verse 21 In the same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit, and then what? Thank you, Father. Lord of heaven and earth, that you revealed these things to little children. Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit, and what's the first thing he did? He gave thanks to the Father. His joy led him to gratitude. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, rejoice in the Lord always. Next verse, or same verse, and give thanks in all circumstances. See the connection? We tend to think that we've got to wait till we're joyful before... We can give thanks or till we have anything to be thankful about. But the path to joy often starts with thankfulness and gratitude. And I know this is hard. And here's why we live and where we live, in our demographic, in our community, it's very easy because we have so much to get into an entitlement mentality. Because you've got everything you want. And if you don't have it, you can go get it. And so we start to be entitled. Friends, do you realize this morning that even the air that you are breathing right now that's keeping us alive is a gift? Everything in your life, whether you have a lot or whether you have a little, from the smallest thing to the biggest thing, it is a gift from Almighty God. It's one of the reasons why we have a Thanksgiving service. And you know what? It's one of the reasons why people enjoy and say that's their favorite service of the year. Because we finally slow down enough to gather around a table with one another and say, Thank you, God, for what you've given us. Gratitude is a way that we fan the flame of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and produce joy. And so, how can you start today? Start right now. Writing down things that you're thankful for. Gather around the lunch table or the dinner table with your family and go around from the smallest thing to the biggest thing. Listing things that you're thankful for. Practice gratitude and it will lead to joy in your life. This flows out of, uh, thirdly, and this flows out of number two. We've got to pay attention to the signs. Pay attention to the signs. What do I mean by that? Well, You can't preach a sermon on joy without quoting C.S. Lewis or mentioning C.S. Lewis. And so here it is. C.S. Lewis would read these great books and enjoy good music and eat good food. And when he became a Christian, he was looking for joy. But he thought the joy was in the books. And in the food and in the music and in the art. But then he realized that the joy was coming from God through the books, through the food, through the art, and through the music. And I think this is important too. All the gifts that God has given you and all the things that you enjoy in this life are good gifts from God and they're meant for you to enjoy. So don't feel guilty. That's part of the problem. We feel guilty for enjoying the good gifts of God. No, 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 no. Enjoy them. Find joy in them. Find joy in the promotion at work. Find joy in that year-end bonus. Find joy in your kids and your spouse and in your a great beach vacation or good food that you enjoy or friendship or getting the raise or you know what? You can find joy in SEC football. You don't have to feel guilty about that. Those are things that are meant for us to enjoy. Here's the point: don't stop there. Those things are a means to an end. Find joy in those. But let those be signs that point you to the source of joy. To the giver of joy. To where deeper and lasting joy is found. Let those point, another way to say it, beyond the gifts, to the giver of those gifts. And you know what? They ultimately point to the ultimate gift. To the gift that God has given you in giving you his own son. Who paid the penalty and price for your sin. Let it drive you there. And when it drives you there. You know what you do? Instead of being entitled. You worship. Because you're like. Look at how good God's been to me. Lastly. You got to learn. If we're going to learn to cultivate joy. We must also fix our eyes on Jesus. The source of joy. Hebrews chapter 12. We are taught. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, To fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, let me say that again, Jesus, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising its shame. Have you ever thought, what was the joy set before him? What is that talking about? What would Jesus be willing to die and endure the shame in order to secure? What was the joy set before him? You know who it was? The joy set before him is you. It's us. It's this this morning. We've been talking all morning about what gives us joy. What gives God joy? You give God joy. So much so that he was willing to die in order to be with you. Friends, we've been looking at the question, how do we find lasting joy? It's not found in achieving and maintaining some emotional uh, state or uh, status. It's not found in doing always doing fun things and thrilling things and checking another thing off your bucket list. That's not joy. Joy is found and grounded in the person of Jesus, the source of joy, who loves you and finds joy in you despite everything. That you have and do not have. Jesus finds joy in you. So you want joy that's untouchable? You want joy that's unshakable? Then you must realize how deeply Jesus loves you. You want lasting joy this morning that will go the distance? That's where it starts. That's where you'll find it. You think about that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for enduring the cross for despising its shame so that you could have the joy of being with us. Forgive us for all the things that we look to for joy in this life that will never deliver. Help us to guard our hearts so that we don't look for joy in our circumstances, but we look for it only in you. Help us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the source of joy. Would you do these things in Jesus' name? Amen.